Welcome to Studio B Live. Hello, this is Studio B Live, and I'm your host, David Burns, along with Sherry, and we're here to talk about bees again today, so thanks for joining us here from Long Lane Honeybee Farms. Sherry and I are sitting outside after a long day, kind of enjoying the nice, cool, almost fall-like weather from our honeybee farm, and uh, we're kind of watching this guy fly around. It's a real calm evening. And, you know, the almost sunset, and there's a guy flying around in one of these. Uh, what, are these what, what are these called? What, well, uh, ultralight? It's, ultralight? It's, uh, ultralight? Yeah. It's it, got a parachute on the top of it. You know, that's the kind of plane <laughs> I'd like to have. <laughs> all planes should come equipped with parachutes on them. <laughs> Looks like he's, he's in this little thing where he's got a propeller behind him. And then he's got this parachute, you know, on top of him. He's just... <laughs> and he's going like five miles an hour. And it's fun to watch him, but I like the idea of a parachute on an airplane. I think I could ride faster on my bicycle than than that dude on that on that thing, but that's fun. He keeps buzzing around our house. You know, there is a name for that. I'm sure six of our nine listeners probably know what it is, but <laughs> something like a paraglider... So I don't, you know, I've heard those words, you know. But maybe if he comes back closer, maybe we'll get a sound effect or something of him puttering by. But anyway, out out here though, we're in. I don't know what it is about where we live, but we've had. We can always see um, hot air balloons go over, and we actually had one that came down. I guess on purpose. Although I don't know. How they know that? Anyway, he came down on purpose in the field right next to our house one year, and we got to see them actually come down and how they deflate the balloon and load it up on the, mm-hmm. what are those trucks called, chase trucks or yeah, whatever they're called? Vehicles. Support vehicles and all that. And, and But we see stuff like this constantly. Yeah, I remember that. And wasn't there something about a guy parachuted in? Wasn't that here? Where David was working out in the bee factory there, and he said a couple of guys were parachuting mm-hmm. down. They landed over there in the field somewhere. Was yeah. it dur- was it during the summer? Was yeah, it? it was. Oh, yeah. so like right down the beans or something? Yeah, he said they landed out in the beans. <laughs> well, that's like, better than the corn, I guess. Well, maybe it was corn. I hope not. Corn yeah. would be bad. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, uh, huh, well, that's interesting. So it is a, you know, we we live near a golf course, and... I've flown over our house before with my brother, who's a pilot, you know, and it's it's pretty to fly over and see. We live by a river, and so I think it's just yeah. a pretty area to kind of enjoy. Yeah. I, I, there's been a lot of times when when the what are the real small planes called, like little Cessnas, or mm-hmm. even are there smaller planes in there? Are well, like planes? ultralights, yeah. You know, but they'll come down low enough, and I can actually wave to them, and they'll flap their wings, yeah. you know, in response. <laughs> <laughs> 
They get too low, they're going to hit some bees. <laughs> they have to be careful, don't they? Yeah, but, oh, yeah, the bees, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because right here, you know, there's we're really far from telephone poles, oh. you know. Yeah, when I was flying with my brother, though, he was concerned about radio towers. He was watching. There's a couple on the other side of the interstate that he had to watch because we were kind of low. You know, we were below those towers. and But he has a GPS, and it has them marked on there exactly where they are. So you can kind of stay away from them. You can kind of see them, usually. Not really easy. Hello, Christian. Well, Sherry, a lot has happened since our last Studio B Live broadcast. That was a while back, and wow, we've... We've talked about a lot. We've had a lot of things that went on lately. <laughs> what did he have on his hand? Oh, I don't know, but it's just dirt. <laughs> Christian came up and kind of gave his mom a hug with dirty oh, hands, dirty farm boy oh, hands. He's he our, is filthy. He's our two-year-old, so he'll be three in September. Mm. Woohoo! Yeah, he will. Look, he's getting. Oh, he scratched himself yeah. in the front there. Be careful, honey. He's a, he's quite a worker. Yeah. But well, no, a lot has happened since we. Uh, yeah. Let me tell let me tell the big news. Are you all ready for the big news? Of course, most people probably know it by now. But after we went to North Carolina back in August, David took his final two segments of his master beekeeping um, test. Was it the lab work and the written and the written mm-hmm. test? And he got a very high score on the lab work, and a and a nice score on the mm-hmm. on the written work, and he passed all of his work for his master beekeeper. And now, do 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 do, he's a master beekeeper. <laughs> I can insert applause. I'll, I'll, you know, I can I can do that in the in the little mix of my laptop okay. or something. <laughs> I probably can't. I probably I can't do that because it's probably copyrighted. I can't use. I have to have my own applause. There you go. There you go. Oh, you do that, and then I'll multiply it, echo it ninety times or something. <laughs> well, thank you. No, that was exciting. I didn't expect to pass both of them that year. I mean, this year. I thought maybe one more this year would be great. And boy, when I got both of them back, and I got the first one back, and I passed, and I thought, oh, good. But the lab was tough, you know. You have to identify pathogens under microscopes. That, and, you know, it's just tough. And I thought, hmm. But I got a higher score on the lab. And I was like, whoa, I did it. Wow, the good feeling. So, yeah, so there's, David was telling me there's only 127 of these master beekeepers in the United States. And there's only two in the state of Illinois. So, so David's one of them, and there's a professor at the university who is the other one. Oh no, a well-known bee expert, Dr. Gene Robinson at the University of Illinois Bee Lab. He's written tons of <laughs> literature on bee. He, well, he genomed the bee. Uh, yeah, but I was trying to make him now the same as you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he he couldn't stoop that low. <laughs> oh no, he is up there. He is a. Uh, He's a scientist. Oh, but we're so proud of David. He's worked so hard, and he sit, he's set up long nights studying, and he's got, you know, about 35 books that are like 24 inches thick. <laughs> you know, you can't just read beekeeping for dummies and pass this test. In other words, you've got, <laughs> yeah. you've got to do a lot. Mm-hmm. You've got to do a lot of work, and he, he goes to as many classes as he possibly can, but he, he worked really, really hard. To get this, and we've all been very, very proud that he was able to do that. 
Well, thank you, Sherry. You guys have been real supportive because it it has been it's been harder for me because I don't have a degree in biology. I don't have a degree in um, um, what else would it, would be helpful? D- different degrees already in that kind of a field, you know. So I had, I think I had to work double hard. I, I told somebody that. I think uh, somebody at the at the uh, testing. I told them that, and they were like, "No, even those guys had to work really hard." We well, you know you know what's so bad and what. What's odd is I always do better on my lab than I do anything else. And everybody else does, everybody else finds the lab to be the hardest. And I love the lab when you walk in there and you look at maybe it's uh, older type equipment or well, one example, they had a piece of, uh, of wax foundation and it was cut at an angle from the top to the bottom. I mean, you know, what am I trying to say? Diagonally? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was cut in half, and they said, you know, what is this used for? Why is it cut this way? What is it used for? And, uh, wow, I thought, <laughs> you know, they can throw anything at you like that, and you're, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to know anything and everything about beekeeping. Really, that's, that's what they say. You've got to know it all. Every, everything is, what is it called, free? You know, it's just uh, free to be asked, anything. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually took a guess at it because I wasn't sure, but I thought, what would I do with this piece of wax foundation cut this way? And I thought, I would roll it, put a wick in it, and make a candle out of it. Oh, you, you did not think that. I that did. you would roll it and put a wick in it. I think you thought, what would Sherry do with this piece of wax? <laughs> yeah, every woman's probably thinking, I know exactly what you do yeah, with that piece yeah. of wax. Well, what man would know what you do with that piece of wax? But, um, yeah, I was... I was thinking how hard that would be to to have to diagnose diseases that you'd never really see. We don't really have, no. you know, we have a lot of hives. And, uh, oh, on a rare occasion, we've seen, you know, one or two things. But you had to, you know, go through and... and uh, Shock food, sack food. Yeah, and, uh, go through all those diseases and, and diagnose all those diseases. And then how do you treat all those diseases? Well, right. we're, we do all, you know, I guess you'd call it, quote, unquote, organic here. So we don't treat um, diseases. We don't do it. I, I tell people in the beginner's classes we don't do it, number one, because we're cheap. Yep. <laughs> it costs too much. And number two, we've never noticed the big difference between the ones we've treated and the ones we haven't. That's true. But but also we have to have a real strong stock here, especially our queens. So we we basically let them fight it out mm-hmm. until the strongest, you know, the fittest survive here. Mm-hmm. So so we stay away from that stuff. And uh, and so I think it's difficult to tell people how to treat all that. But David had to know all that, how to treat all those different ones, even though we we don't do any of that. So. Yeah, that, that's what I had to really study hard for. A lot of the treatment is temperature sensitive. You have to know all that. Hey, one of the fun things that was in the lab that Sherry and I laughed about and <laughs> kind of mulled over was that uh, they had in a Petri dish a drone that was inverted. <laughs> I guess I need to explain what that means. But, you know, once once a drone mates with a queen, you know, his genitalia is exposed. So they had this. They had it in the in the petri dish, and it said, "How did this drone die?" And so that no, was. Didn't he say? Didn't maybe that's a different one? But didn't you say they we found this in a driveway? Oh, that was the one. How did it? How did it die? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I said, "Well, if I had to answer that question, I would have said, well, my three-year-old picked up a ball bat and smacked it as it was 
<laughs> and that's why it died. You know, I really think they would have had to given you credit for that. Absolutely. Because actually the drone had not mated with the queen. So I, I put down that he got partially eat, eaten by a bird or he got, you know, he got hit by the car, which caused him to invert. And then he fell out after he dried out of the radiator. He fell out of the drone. <laughs> the, uh, there are more it's complex a, questions yeah, than that weird. one, but the, yeah, that was a fun. Question. That was a fun one. I'm just saying that's the kind of stuff they can throw at you. It was worth like three points or something like that. Oh, and then you they can't show you can't show a drone and say, "Tell us what it died from." It, it, well, I said three possible <laughs> causes or something yeah, like that. Whatever. Well, you know, there, there, there's tough ones. Like they, they, you have to get like in this test, you have to give the entire life cycle of the varroa mite. I mean, not just A, B, C, D, but every step of its development, larva. I mean, just everything. You know what it does. So, you know, there, it was a challenge, and I'm glad I got. Whoops, got through it. That was fun. <laughs> Thought I bumped into Christian there. But we had fun in North Carolina there, too, at Boone, North Carolina. Folks living over there listening, you guys got a great part of the country to enjoy those mountains. Everybody else was 109 degrees, and we were like 67 yeah. in a nice cabin. It was, it was so nice, and there were no there were no bugs in the mountains. Well, that's probably not entirely true. Oh, but I'm sure that's not entirely true. But when you live here in Illinois, <laughs> yeah. and, and we sit outside, and we're ate up by the mosquitoes. And, you know, we turn the lights on, and you get like two bazillion... Gazillion, trazillion bugs all around those light bulbs. And you go up in the mountains and there's nothing up there. But, oh, I have to tell you, I got lost in the mountains one day. How can you get lost in the mountains? You just look down you know where you're at. You just <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. Unless you're on the edge of it, I guess you might be able to look down. But you know how you have We have this brand new GPS. And so Christian wanted to go. It must have been the day you were taking your tests all day. And those that those two tests lasted the entire day to yeah, take yeah. them. But um, Christian wanted to go to the park. So, you know, I put it in the GPS, you know, take us to the park. And it drove me up the side of this mountain. And I, and I wound round and round and round and came out in this subdivision. Hmm. And this is a brand new GPS. So it's not like we haven't updated it in the past three years, you know. So yeah. I don't understand what's what's up with these GPSs. So there must have been a park there at one time. So I, I hit on there, take me to the next park. So it took me across the highway up the other side of the mountain, and I got way up on the Blue Ridge Highway. Now, the Blue Ridge Highway is like the most scenic mountain route in the U.S., but I was so scared <laughs> because the road was this narrow little road, and I had a, a crying three-year-old in the back who wanted to go to the park, and it just went round and round and round and round, and I didn't, I didn't get to see a thing because I was trying to figure out how to get off this mountain. And so finally I just said, I can't find the park. It's not here. And then I finally realized later on, when you say a park, up in the mountains, that doesn't mean a park <laughs> like it does, <laughs> like it does down here <laughs> where we live. There's, they don't have slides on those kinds of parks, so <laughs> they're like national parks. You know, yeah. where you just go and you look at a tree or something and take a long trail. And um, and so I finally I hit the GPS. Now this is the third time I hit the GPS, and I said, "Go home." You know, you just go. You just say, "Go home." And it it, uh, it drove me to this part in the mountain, and it said, destination is on your left. And I I just buzzed right past it, and I thought, boy, I didn't see anything. I need to turn around and go back. 
and the only place you can turn around when you're in the mountains is like in a driveway. So I was trying to turn around in this driveway, and this driveway went straight down the mountain, and it was just gravel. And I was backing into this... (laughs) <laughs> to the driveway in, in a truck with a crying two-year-old in the back, and I got the truck stuck in this gravel, and all I could think of was there's, there's some wild mountain man down there with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> like the movie Deliverance. <laughs> 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 he was gonna come up. And he was gonna. He was gonna get me, and I was just spinning my wheels in this gravel. Elmer, we caught us another one in our driveway <laughs> trap. Get the gun. <laughs> get the gun. And finally, I got out of there. I was just sweating it, you know. And, and then, of course, the GPS said, it's on your destination. I'm like, there's a mountain there. There is no road there. Yeah. And uh, finally, I, I had to swerve all the way around this mountain and go down it and come back up the other side to get back to our cabin. But later on, we were able to look. We, we got this real cool, is it an Internet program or is it just it's, a website? No, I think it's Google Earth. And yeah. it will actually show you the points that where you were at. And I said, well, you know, show me where that, show me where that, that point was. And you could see that maybe at one time in the past there used to be a road there, but there wasn't a road anymore. Yeah, so, right, right. Anyway, that was my big excitement for the day. <laughs> well, that was fun. it was fun though. I really enjoyed being in Boone. I enjoyed the cooler weather and EAS was a blast. Eastern Apicultural Society it was just. The best speakers, the best conferences, and you can talk to the ones that are speaking and just eat lunch with them and get a lot of information about things. So it is a lot of fun to sit there and do that. Oh, uh, the itsy bitsy spider coming down out of the tree, isn't it? It's probably a brown recluse or something. Oh, well, there it is. You got bit by a spider one time. You put a glove on, remember? It was in your, it was in the glove, and wow, it was a wolf spider. Was it a wolf spider? Yep. Yeah, it was out in the shed where we were making. I don't know. You must have. I was supposed to help you or something. Yeah. Or something. You were cleaning up sawdust. Yeah, I put those gloves on, and it bit me. Oh yeah, but you didn't die. You were fine. <laughs> You're Wonder Woman. You didn't get, you didn't get bit by anything this year, did you? Yeah. No, I got bit by another one this year too. Oh, on your hand. Yes, on my hand. I was sweeping out the chicken room. Well, Sherry, you're going to have to be careful. You might get a brown recluse. There's some of those out here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened? There was a whole bunch of things that happened. Remember that one couple-of-week period where everybody well, got married and had yeah. birthdays? And well, Seth got his driver's license, and then we, during that same week, we celebrated our 30th an- anniversary. Of course, you know, I... I'm only 29, so figure that one out. I have no idea how that yeah. how that works. And then, let's see, my dad's birthday was that week. He's 75. And then our oldest son's birthday was that week. He turned 25. And um, and then David got his master beekeepers that same week. Oh, and our oldest daughter turned 29 that mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yeah. Everything happened, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was an interesting period. It was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and about the anniversary, you know, let's see. EAS has, in the last two years, has always occurred during the our anniversary. Last year I was in New York, so I wasn't able to celebrate it with you. <laughs> but this year, you know, I woke up one morning and, of course, you know, we said happy anniversary. and, and uh, But I had to go, was that 
Was that the day of, no, it wasn't the day of testings, was it? No. Okay, it was no. just a conference or it, something. Yeah, you're there all day at the conference. Yeah. And so I decided I would leave conference early. It, it usually ends about 5, and I decided to, you know, leave about 3. And then I would uh, I would go downtown and look through the stores in Boone and, and get something for Sherry for anniversary present. And so... I don't know. I took the long way downtown. And it was like it was up that mountain you got stuck on. I think it was like wow. It was, it was. downtown was up the mountain. Well, I took the long way. I, I didn't you realize did. you went all the way around the university. Yeah. And right. if anybody has ever walked around the outside of a university, <laughs> yeah, you can like walk miles. miles. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like walking after a rainbow. You think, okay, I'll be there soon, and it never happened, but. Oh, I finally, I finally uh, found an. I went through every store there was. I mean, you know how it is, guys. When you're trying to buy for your wife, it's like, I don't know. I don't think she'd like that. No, I think she would, but eh, maybe not. And then you called me and said, "Hey, are you ready for us to pick you up?" And I'm, I didn't want to give my secret away that I was tromping around downtown, going through store after store after store. But anyway, I finally, at the last minute, went into one store. And, you know, it was kind of a bookstore, candle store, incense store, one of those combination of things. In, incense, you know, they burn incense. Yeah. You can smell things burning. And It was interesting. When I bought, I bought Sherry a real nice book, she really did enjoy it. I think I did well. But when the guy gave me my receipt back, he gave me three little angels, little punch-out angels, you know. He had a big jar of little paper angels and glittery angels, and he said, here are three, you know, I don't know what he said, but, so I got a receipt and three little angels. What? I don't... You got to get close to the mic. What, what do you do with the angels? I don't understand. You know, he didn't really say. He didn't really say what you do with the angels, so I didn't know. I, I just I just thought, well, you know, maybe it was kind of like his uh, philosophy or religion that <laughs> he was into. But anyway, I, so I got this book, and I had a book bag, so I hid it in my book bag. And then Sherry and Karee and Christian picked me up. And uh, later that evening, I gave it to Sherry, and she looked at it. And it was a it was a real neat book. It was a book on um, gardening and kind of a, like a, one of those self-sustaining books where the book kind of, doesn't the book show you how to do everything, like make your own belt buckles and <laughs> make your own garden? And you can, yeah, you, you can build a house. Grow some green beans, make potpourri, <laughs> or I don't remember what else. <laughs> yeah, or punch out little angels and yeah. give to people. But so that was a nice little present. Uh, where's, the little, where's the little angels at? Well, uh, you know, I didn't feel comfortable keeping them because I don't really. I'm not one to be superstitious, and it kind of felt like the superstitious thing. But how do you know you, if you didn't like? collect 20 angels you got like a free ice cream cone or something <laughs> well i wasn't going to stay in town that long and spend that much money i'll just go buy an ice cream cone but anyway so what i did was i thought it'd be neat i probably shouldn't admit this but i kind of as i walked i let they uh fell out of my hand onto the ground they were tiny they wouldn't even they weren't even the size of a dime so so maybe somebody else walking along Solemn and felt good about finding angels or something. I don't know, but that was fun and and uh, we had we had a good time, didn't we, at, at Boone? Yes. And next year we're going to Rhode Island. R I. We're going to be right by the ocean. 
And, uh, you know, I think we ought to have a little Long Lane Honeybee Farm night. Oh, yeah, because I did meet several people that knew us from from the stuff that we do, and they were great people to meet. So, yeah, you guys get, you know, go to uh, Google Eastern Apiary Society, Apicultural Society, and find out the dates, and let's uh, have supper up there together. That'd be fun. Uh, also, we've had a lot to do with bees lately. Oh, and the big thing, the last couple of days have, has really been weird. You know, I've taken bees out of a house. I took a I took a colony out of a house on Tuesday, and it was infested with small hive beetle. And we really don't have small hive beetle in Illinois that bad. I just felt terrible. I, I called our Department of Ag and asked how they wanted me to deal with that, and they told me. But, you know, you guys that have to deal with small hive beetle in the south, you know what it's like. Those little things are tough to deal with. But you just got to trap them and do the best you can. But that it was a brick house, and it was a little tricky getting that colony out of there. But they were really weak because of the small hive beetle. And then the last few days I've been working on this big project because I won't say the city, but a local park cut a tree down that had a huge colony in it. And they called and had a pest control company kill the colony. And then neighboring beekeepers in the city, their bees, you know, this time of the year in the fall, guess what happened? Those Their bees went and found that unprotected honey with all that toxic uh, chemical on it. And they robbed it, took it back to their hive, even powdered seven, and it was killing colonies of other beekeepers in, in the area there. And it was sad. We It took us a while. We need to educate people not to do that. It was really depressing. And it's hard on a beekeeper. Some beekeepers, you know, by the time you get your hive built up, that hive, you've put some money into it and some oh, yeah. some time. Yeah, it's really depressing. I, I would encourage, if you're part of a club, no matter where you live, that one of your projects, you know, any time of the year, would be to sit down and draft a letter <clears throat> that your entire club sends to pest control companies, mm-hmm. park districts, you know, anybody like that who who might be finding tree companies. Oh, definitely. That would be another one. And, and just educate them. You know, do it in, in a non-threatening way, but just educate them. And, and, and then, but be prepared to back that up. Be prepared that if, you know, they do come across a, you know, a tree company has to cut down a tree and they call you, that you are prepared and you know how to go and collect that swarm or take that, you know, out of the tree or, or at the very least, warn everybody in the vicinity if they if in the end they do have to spray it with something but also i think david that some people don't know and we've mentioned it before but some people don't realize that if they do you know we have a lot of people that call us all the time and say oh all my deep my bees are dead in the front what's happened and i think one of the first things you say to them is has somebody sprayed pesticide do you have neighbors using seven you know, could they have gotten into something like that? Because that's always one of the first things that you see with pesticide poisoning. And if, especially if you live in town and you live in a neighborhood, that's the first thing you probably have to look at. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you've got dead bees like that, that somebody's using seven somewhere nearby. Yeah, and that's true. You know, when a, when a beekeeper called me and said, oh, he, one beekeeper said, I don't know what's happened. It looks like a winter die-off. My bees are just dying all over the bottom board, the front, hanging out in the... I was like, oh, do you live near this park? And he said, why? Yes, I do. And I had to tell him, you know, your bees are, they've been poisoned, you know. And I I think some of these beekeepers, 
Um, I think they are trying to get some kind of compensation, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. You know, who knows? But hopefully, uh, it's a lot to lose, yeah. and hopefully they will. It's understandable because, you know, they cut the tree down in a park, and they're thinking to themselves, oh, there's little kids everywhere nearby. This backs up to a residential area. We've got to get rid of these bees quick. So it's understandable why they did it, but they just didn't understand that other bees, you know, would come and, and get the honey and take it back. And it's not just honeybees, right, David? Could it be other insects that do that too and, and take stuff back to their, uh, eventually. To their colonies? Yeah, sure. and, and there's lots of beneficial insects out there that we can't do without. Yeah, you know, that's true. The honeybee is just one of the few, you know, of course, that we know a lot about. But there's lots of beneficial insects that we have to have. Yeah, well, you know, Sherry made a good point. And all of you in clubs, you do need to draft up a letter and mail it out and, you know, go through your phone book. Get on the Internet. Send these letters out to all the park districts and um, tree trimmers and pest control people. Anybody that you think may deal with honeybees, <coughs> you know, either swarming or landing or bothering them in their trees or property, uh, just uh, a little letter or a little flyer with names to call, numbers to call and names, so that um, if they come across us, they can take care of it right away. That'd be good. Well, okay, let's see, Sherry. <coughs> Another thing I'd like to do is address one concern, or several things, emails that... You know, we can answer, but um, one gentleman that got a package off of us in the spring, he um, he had not been in his hive for like a month, and then when he did go into his hive, he thought they were very aggressive. All at once, they just became very aggressive. All year long, they'd been very gentle. All at once, they're aggressive, and he didn't know why, and he was concerned that maybe there was some kind of Africanization of you know of his colony. Now we're in Illinois, and here in Illinois, there are no Africanized bees. Um, the only time there ever could be is if one was brought in from Africanized regions, but there are none in Illinois. But anyway, uh, uh, it was interesting when he, you know, I thought maybe he might have be might have been overreacting because bees are more aggressive when it's hot and when there's honey to protect. And so I tried to calm him down, and I assured him they weren't Africanized, for one thing. And and um, <clears throat> but uh, I told him that he's, you know, he he wasn't smoking the bees. He was just going out there and opening them up. And I so I said, look, you gotta you gotta smoke. You gotta be gentle. They're protecting their honey, and uh, they do get a little bit more aggressive when they have more bees protecting more brood and pollen in their bigger colony. He just wasn't expecting that. Um, but, you know, there is a um, place that you can send bees to, the Carl Hayden Bee, Search, or Bee Research Center in um, Arizona. You can actually send in, <laughs> the, we keep watching cars go down the road, it sounds like they're coming down our lane, but you can actually send in um, samples and they will do a study to see if um, your bees are Africanized. What, what's the address? Oh, let me see. Uh, Mona Chambers is her name. Okay. Carl Hayden B. Hatton B. Research Center. It's H-A-Y-D-E-N. Hayden. Hayden. 2000 East Allen Road. Uh, Tucson, Arizona. 85719. 
That 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 research center has done a lot for bees. They they've actually made that. What is it called? Tucson uh, pollen. Oh. The, the, the Tucson. <laughs> yeah, Mega, I can't. I don't know. Is that the right name? That may be a different one. But but is they. There, is there a phone number? Because they might want to call first and see what the requirements are for. I'm sure you can't just put a dead bee in an envelope and send it. I can tell you what they are. Oh, what the requirements are. Uh, please send a sample of 30 to 50 bees in a tightly sealed jar or vial with enough alcohol, ethanol, to cover all the bees. Oh. Now, you do have to pour that ethanol out before you ship it. Now, it doesn't say that here, I don't think, but it does say it elsewhere. You can't ship alcohol in a container like that. Hmm. UPS or it's dangerous. Hmm. have to pour it out first, and they'll tell you to do that. In a little tiny vial, alcohol uh, would be good? Uh, yeah, you shouldn't do it. So but in, how do all? How does the alcohol company ship their alcohol all over the U.S.? <laughs> you don't. You have to go buy your alcohol at a, at a liquor store. I don't know. Oh, you know. Well, I do know. Maybe there's exceptions, but I I don't think UPS will let you ship something that. Ex- I mean, it's seventy percent, sometimes ninety percent alcohol. That's different than. A wine bottle, you know, it's going to explode. I, I'm not talking about alcohol like you drink. I'm talking about, you know, alcohol in a bottle that people buy in the pharmacy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you've really caught me off guard. As a master <laughs> beekeeper, I should know those answers. If that was on the master beekeeper test, I would have bombed it. I would have been still studying, figuring out how in the world you... It was free game, so... It is, but I'm not sure if shipping know. alcohol is part of beekeeping. alcohol. Yeah, I just told you. You pour the alcohol. You pour the alcohol out. I told you. Yeah, but <laughs> and you got onto a different know. subject. All right. Because you couldn't ship the alcohol in those little vials, and I said, "Well, then, how do they ship the alcohol in those bottles all over the U.S.?" But that's not a beekeeping question. That's a <laughs> that's an alcohol question. That's for the alcohol, tobacco, and whatever bureau. All right. All right. Well, anyway, there is a number five two zero six seven zero six three. Eight zero extension one oh five. So if you thought you had Africanized bees, you could scoop up these fifty and douse them in alcohol for a while, and then pour it out, ship them off, let them. You know how they determine whether they're Africanized or not, Sherry? Uh uh-uh. No. Oh, I think you do though. You're pretty sharp. Uh, no, they look the same. So I don't. Have yeah, they look the same, and their poison oh, is no different. Some different pheromones or hormones nope. or. Nope. Um, they don't have more legs. Nope. <laughs> um, I have no idea. A couple of ways they can do. Uh, mo- most of them do uh, morphometrics, where they measure. Uh, why didn't I think of that? Metamorphics. That was right on the tip. You, that was your first answer. What is that? What is metamorphic? No, it. You know, you. What it is? It's when you begin to do. Um, uh, measuring oh, characteristics oh. of different types of bees, but I don't, I'm not crazy about it because some, what they'll do, Sherry, is they'll take a, a wing of a bee, and the wings have those little veins in them, and they will make computerized points between this joint and that joint and this joint on those veins, and they can determine if the Africanized bee, because the Africanized bee is the Africanized bee is slightly smaller. Now, you know, you're right. You're not going to notice it with the naked eye. You've got to do these computerized measurements, and it's just minutely smaller in some of these, some of, like the wings and things they can do. But it's not just looking at it going, oh, yeah, that's a little smaller. i got an average bee. No, you're not going to know that. 
again, the poison's no worse. The poison sack is not larger. It's not. They're not, you know, more larger to kill people. They're actually a tad smaller, but it's their characteristic. They're they're aggressive. So you can send them, and they can measure them for you. And I think, I don't, I don't know, I, probably that doesn't cost anything. I'm not sure. But you can actually have DNA work done, too, and that's another way to study it. But that's more complicated. You know, you can actually trace down DNA. And people... People down south need to, they should do that, definitely. Do that. Yeah, you need, if you're, if you're in the south where there's Africanized bees, not all the south is, but if you are, or the west, you need to run a marked queen and keep an eye on her. In case something changes and your hive gets meaner, then you could send you know, them off. You know, talking about not being able to tell Africanized by looking at them, that... <laughs> Yeah. That's like some of, sometimes we get phone conversations when people will call and say, oh, I think I have small hive beetle. What does it look like? Yeah. <laughs> I think I have American fibroid. What are the symptoms? Well, what do you, how do you think if you don't even know what you're looking at, right? Well, I was just, I was just thinking, too. It's like, how do you describe a beetle? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's small. It's black. It's just, there's just some things we cannot answer yeah, right. you, you <laughs> for gotta, folks. you got to see a picture yeah. and study it enough, and you know what it looks like. But there are other beetles. You know, there's that scavenger, the picnic beetle, and, you know, some but people. It's, but it's hard for people. I mean, it's it's it would be impossible for us to tell you whether or not you have Africanized by just calling us on the phone. <laughs> Do I have Africanized bees? I don't know. Yeah, right. That's my point. They all take this address down and scoop up 50 and send them <laughs> off. You know, how do we know? Because some bees can be so aggressive. Mm-hmm. Some European bees can be so aggressive mm-hmm. that they almost look like they're Africanized, you know. Well, and I think after, especially if you're a new beekeeper, after you've been around your bees for a while, you will look back on the beginning and realize what you thought was aggressive is not aggressive. Hmm. You know, because I'll, I'll be out working in the beans, and I'll have one bee that would just go around and round and round and round my head, and I don't think anything about it. But the other day, I don't remember who it was who was saying, oh, you know, I've got these real aggressive bees. I have this one that just wouldn't stop bugging me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's not, that's not aggressive, but I guess to a brand-new beekeeper, yeah, that's true. a bee buzzing around their head was, you know, aggressive yeah. and that bothered them. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. ten years down the road, you're going to look back and go, I don't know what I was thinking. That's true. That's true. Bees, generally, they don't buzz around our heads, but occasionally you will get one or two around here. We just ignore them, and they finally, like, you know, they go away. They're like, they're, they're boring. You know? <laughs> they don't have any nectar. They look like a flower. Hey, you've got, you've got to speak. I was thinking about you looking like a flower. You're so pretty. that That's why bees buzz around you looking for nectar, you know. Whatever. But then I thought about that little uh, plaque that you hung on the door out here that you got at Boone. That's really funny. Which one's that? The one by the door when you walk in the door, the back door. Oh, you mean this back door yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember what it says? It says an old bear lives here with his honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I'm not an old bear. You're sweet, but I'm not an old bear. Here's an email that says, I had been reading your lessons online, and I like what I'm reading, and I'm getting ready to retire from my regular job. Medical problems, I am looking at being a beekeeper for extra money. And he says what state he lives in. We'll keep that confidential. But looking at moving to another state. From reading your lessons, I see you were born on the 20th of January. So am I. Well, happy birthday, 
a kindred birthday person. I will be turning 50 this year. Uh-huh, he's my age. Anyway, I am looking to buy a starter kit. I am very interested in learning more. Is the webs is there any websites you would recommend to look up? Any information would be a great help. Yes, I recommend a website, honeybeesonline.com. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't know of any other yeah. site that's got the wealth of that's lessons true. that you have got on there. I'm sure there are. I don't. I don't. I don't have any purpose to go hunt for them. Yeah. <laughs> there right. might be, but I. I can't imagine. Well, I, I'm really good at self-promoting myself. Is that? The, <laughs> I'm a self-promoter. <laughs> you know, we run a bee business here. Our, we've got the best website, and, and so just keep reading the lessons there. And I hope your medical problems resolve themselves, and I hope you enjoy beekeeping, and may it bring you some extra money. And do read those bee lessons. We could have sold a lot of honey this week, honey. I'm going to have to process it and bottle it, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, we can't ever get it. We're so busy doing the business, we can't actually ever extract the honey and bottle it. But we've had people after people, oh, after no. people that have either called or come down the line and said, where's the honey, where's the honey? It's that silly chicken coop. It's taken ah. too much time to get that chicken coop done. You haven't worked on the chicken coop for a week. But it, but it, it, it takes energy out of my thought process, mm-hmm. thinking about working on it. <laughs> I worked on it like five minutes a day. We're, bu- oh, we're, we're building man. another chicken coop, so. Okay. Here's another email, Sherry, from here in Illinois. That is how you say it, mm. Illinois. Some people say Illinois. I say Illinois. You don't say L, Illinois. You say Illinois. Eel. <laughs> All right. It is, it is quite sick. Oh, yeah. It's Our state is broke. Well, most states are broke, aren't they? Our governor has been embarrassing. <laughs> well, we, be, we better stop, haven't we? Ex-governor. Yeah, okay, ex-governor, yeah. Blagovich. Well, we need to get off that subject. Okay, this email does come from Illinois, and it says, I see you will be offering bee packages for order in early November of this year. Could you please give me any idea, ballpark figure, as to the cost if I pick them up? Will these be three- or four-pound packages of bees? I looked at your site and could not find any pricing, so I suspect that will be... I, that will be a year-to-year change on those items. That's just a motorcycle going by if you hear in the background. So, what's the price, Sherry? I don't know. Do you? $692. For a package? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's I figured out by the time <laughs> spent spent all the time. Oh. Computer, printer, e. Now, people yes. have just shut us off. They just stopped the player the now. Trailer we had to buy to haul everything. It's $692. <laughs> That's about right, isn't it? <laughs> I think it is a money loss. I know it was a money loser for us this year. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, they're going to be a little bit higher, but it won't break the bank, you know. I don't know. We don't have the price set yet, so it will be what it is. We'll be fair, and we're not going to gouge anybody, but somehow we don't want to lose our... You know, we didn't lose our shirt. I've still got part of my sleeve, but, you know, I, I want to keep my shirt next year on the package B, so... I know. No. Well... Wait a minute. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, to answer the question, though, last year they were for pickup packages, $75. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who might be listening in other states, you would do yourself a service to check around. If you want to pick up your bees, check carefully. 
um, because we do know that there was a company that drove through Illinois, Il- Illinois last year that charged twice as much as we did. Yeah, 120. And, um, and, and, and people just didn't know that. They didn't know that. So if you're planning on picking up in your state, you need to check various companies and not go with the first one or the one that your B-Club has selected, <laughs> right? You know, just because they selected it doesn't mean it's it's probably the best. You need to do a little bit of research on that so that you're not stuck paying way more than you need to. Hmm. So are you asking people to, you know, we're supposed to be promoting ourselves. Are you asking them I to said, entertain going to other places? I said if they live in other states. Yeah. And they plan on only picking up oh, from see. their own state. Oh, you know, yeah. you know I, I got you. people in you know, Washington State are not going to drive out here. No, but we do ship to those faraway places. Well, we do, but yeah. but there's a lot of people that want to pick up. Oh, that's and good. I don't blame yeah. them one bit for picking hey, up. Hey, we're, we're not, we don't want to hog the market. I mean, you know, we want you to do business with us, but if you'd rather not, if you'd rather buy your nukes from a guy down the road or your packages from somewhere, what Sherry's saying, just make sure... You're getting the best price, you know, that you can get, that it's good bees, that, you know, don't just do what everybody says. Do a little research, and and you'll make a better decision. Yeah, that's a good point. I like what you said about bee club, because some bee clubs have been disappointed because somebody thought that was the best place to go. And it's, it's not... Oops, it's not just bee clubs, though. It's also those who are teaching classes and be schools and i understand that it might be easier just to go ahead and and stay with whoever they've selected but sometimes that's not the best deal for you righto all right here's another email sherry and hi david i would just like to say how much i enjoy your program and the information on your blog your testimony is a great encouragement too sherry and i gave our testimony on our on one blog and it showed our picture from like 1904 or something. Uh, <laughs> what our testimony? Yeah, our life's testimony with that little picture of us by that little oh, church sign. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that little picture of us skinny little people. Man, I was like, you, I turned sideways and you couldn't see me. <laughs> yeah, you're standing like next to a sunflower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were the same height and the same width as that sunflower. <laughs> <laughs> now I turn sideways and you can see me better. <laughs> oh, wow. You still look good after 30 years, though. Well, thank you. Oh, isn't it so do you? <laughs> <laughs> after quite a hesitation. There. No, I just, I was reading ahead and I thought I'd better okay. comment on that. Yeah, let's read, let's. Um, I keep about 15 beehives in southern Ontario. And he says, that's in Canada. I think I would have, I would have known that. Uh, that is nice. Because we have people yeah. write us from all over the world, and they say, sure. we live in blah, blah, blah. And we're like, hmm. Yeah. I've been trying to come up with a solution for this pesky wax moth. Like you, I can take advantage of the cold winters to keep the wax moth under control. But even with this... In a tight, clean storage garage for my supers, I still end up having to fight them a, a little bit every year. Hmm. This summer, I took brood, a brood box from a weak hive back to my storage location. I know I should have put it in a freezer right away, but it's crammed full of fresh blueberries and a bunch of chickens we raised this year. His storage shed is, I guess. Also, I don't really consider this a perfect solution anyway since I would only be able to put it in a few frames at a time. Oh, I see. But freeze, you know. Oh, yeah. Freeze. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
and would likely see the cleaned frames infected again by the infected frames. Yeah. Anyway, it only took a few weeks before I, my empty brood box was feeling the wrath from the wax moths. I took it outside, scraped most of the most of them off, destroyed you know destroyed comb out and burned it, but. But tapping the frames on the ground, I still found some moths flying around. So, so I know there's no way I could manually remove them all 100% success. Knowing how much these critters like to scurry around frames, I thought, what about the trusty fly trap? Mosquitoes are getting me, Sherry. Uh, what about the trusty fly trap? You know, the really sticky one, the sticky paper. Well, I thought I would give it a try. So on Saturday, I put the brood box back into the storage shed with a cover on the bottom, a strip of non-toxic fly paper on top, and then a cover on top of that. Next day, sure enough, I found some wax moths stuck dead to the paper. Could this be the magic bullet and moth control? I don't know yet, but if this brood box... But if this brood box that I know has the wax moth in it, has no more visible damage and only dead wax moth stuck to the fly paper, I'll be buying more of these by the case full. <laughs> well, good, because we sell them here for $10 a box. No. $695 a box. $692. That reminds me of a question on your one of your master beekeeper tests where it said, what do you tell a beginner beekeeper how to use... Um, Oh, yeah, mothballs. Mothballs. Yeah. Yeah. Some people fell for it. Yeah. But you're not supposed to use mothballs on any kind of beekeeping equipment anymore. It used to be an old practice, but now there's better uh, similar product, but it's not as, uh, I guess, volatile or dangerous or carcinogenic. Uh, what is it called? Paradichlorobenzene, I think is the name of it, PDB. Or Paramalt, I think it's what his shortened name is. But anyway, we hope this uh, gentleman in Canada has found a successful way maybe to curtail so he's the just, he just, wax moths. He's just catching the moths themselves. That's what I thought, too. He's not doing anything about the eggs, or he's not doing anything about the larvae, unless they crawl under the well, sticky paper. One day I went out, you know, he said he had chickens. One day I went out to the chicken coop and, and saw that, that there was a, a bunch of frames laying all over <laughs> the chicken coop. Yeah. And came to find out that David had taken, you know, we had a few frames. We had these, you know, little bitty, well, we got a bunch of empty hives, but we have some some little nooks that get so little mating, you know, they, yeah, mating you know, that they can't defend off anything. And so we had some wax moths and some larvae, and I guess he just handed them to the chickens, and the chickens cleaned them up. And oh, it was great. Yeah, they loved them. I wrote an article today on wax moth. There might be a future lesson I'll do. Okay, so here's another email from Canada. Two from Canada. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Burns. It's me, Tim, from Canada. I was thinking about honeybees, as usual, and wishing I had a hive or two, as usual, and thought maybe if if uh, I tried typing out the process of queen rearing, then maybe I'd better understand it. So I did, and I'm asking for you if you could kindly make sure there is no mistakes. And so he gives about uh, five things here about queen rearing that he wants to check. So uh, let me just read it, and I'll correct his mistakes if he's wrong. 
First, take a frame of uncapped brood and find young larvae. The best age is one to three days old, about the size of a shape of a comma. Put the larvae in the queen cups. Be sure to keep them moist. Carry them to a queenless hive with lots of pollen, honey, and brood from other hives. It helps if the hive is overcrowded. After 24 to 36 hours, remove them from the starter hive. The hive runs out of juice by then, so they can't finish the queen cells. Put them in a large hive with a mated queen in the bottom and the baby queens in the top with a queen excluder between them. On day 10, move the queens to an incubator. If using an incubator, set it to 93 degrees Fahrenheit. An alternative is that you can cage the queen cells so they can't get at each other, but they are still in the hive together. Watch watch on day 15 as, you, as well as day 16 because you don't know the exact age of your larvae when you grab them. Day 16 comes and they emerge. Put them in a mating nook for a couple of weeks. Note on day 10, you can do this if you're making them for yourselves. All right. Oh, that wasn't bad, Tim. Let me say, I did think there was a couple of things I need to kind of improve on. Uh, one correction, uh, the first you say, take a frame of uncapped brood and find young larvae. The best age is one to three days old. Uh, let's see. You know, you need to, I, I'm not sure what you're saying there, but typically we think of, we'll have to start at day zero when the egg is laid. And the best age to do the grafting is when it uh, becomes a larva, uh, when the egg hatches, we would call it. So around day three is going to be that best time uh, and easiest to graft. You can graft eggs, but they're sticky and you can more easily damage them. So once you have that larva at the bottom of a cell, you're right, it's the shape of a comma on a page and uh, not quite a C yet. And it's in royal jelly and you can, you can graft that. So I would, I would not say one day old because I, I think of an egg as one day old. But maybe you thought larva. All right. There was another problem I saw. Let's see. Let me see if I can find that. Oh, here it is. Carry them to a queenless hive with lots of pollen, honey, and brood from other hives. Well, brood only if it's sealed. You don't want to carry any open uh, larva, oh, any open brood like larva into that starter nuke. If you do then your bees in there will have to compete. Uh, they'll have to be um, feeding that open larva as well as the grafts that you put in there. So don't put in any open brood. If you want to put in sealed brood, that's fine. And not a lot of it, though. Uh, so that's the only two corrections, Tim, I would suggest that you do. You took the words of queen rearing right out of my mouth. You must have read something I wrote because that's exactly what I teach and our queen rearing courses. So you did a very good job. Live by that and have fun in Canada. All right, uh, Sherry, here's another question. My wife came up with a question that I had no answer for. Can you feed hummingbird food concentrate to bees? It contains water, sucrose, tar, tar, tartaric acid, and sodium benzenate. And if so, would this be a pollen substitute? If you can answer her question, it would get her off my back and out of my hair, and I can be on my merry way. 
Uh, no, don't don't feed bees all those things you just named off. You know, <laughs> water's okay and sucrose wouldn't hurt them, but uh, acid and the sodium benzene—I just don't think uh, no. And it's certainly not going to be a good substitute for pollen at all. Pollen has vitamins, minerals, protein, protein. You know, those are the things that. Good grief! So no, that I'd stay away from that. I know bees will get on there and like to surf that stuff up, but they're just going after the sweet taste of it. So that's a few emails. That just shows what we do all day long, answering those emails. Sherry, we've got a class coming up November the 6th on Saturday, and we want to invite our listeners to come on over. We don't live on a mountain, like not a resort mountain, but you could still come and have a great time at Long Lane Apiaries, Long Lane Honeybee Farms. Come and take our basic beekeeping class this coming, well, I'm sorry, this this Saturday, November the 6th, and you'll have a great time. Um, this is good for your friends and neighbors that are thinking about getting into beekeeping. We always have a, a great time out here at the Honeybee Farm at our basic beekeeping classes. You know, by far, especially this year, we've had the funnest people come out here. You know, and, and take these classes, and we they're have. and they're just and they're oh, just yeah. fun. Some classes are real small. Yeah. You know, like um, you know, the bee rearing, the queen rearing classes are always small because there's only a few people that want to. We try to keep them you know, small too. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got to stay small, but there's only a few people that actually want to to do that, and it, it does take skill. You know, a certain kind of skill to be able to do that. But they come out here and they get to know each other, and you know, yeah. we just I don't know, they're just the nicest people. They are, and it's you know, just and good. If they weren't, I would have, I would have, we would have stopped having these classes. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Sherry cooks for everybody. It's just a hoot. I mean, it's just great. And you know, we live out in the country. We've, I think, every single. We had a lot of classes this year. Every single class, the weather was just superb. It was great. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. So, I uh, don't know what November... And we, and we plan it that way. Yeah, that's true. We mm-hmm. put an order in in advance. But I don't know what November 6th is going to be like, but uh, we'll call for a good day and come out and learn about beekeeping with us. You'll have a good time, so keep that in mind. And November's a good time to do it because once you take the class and you kind of start getting your feet wet a little bit, then you need to start... You have to start seriously thinking about... Um, ordering your stuff mm-hmm. within a couple of months. Well, people could pick the equipment up while they're here, too. Well, yeah. I, not a lot of beginners do, though, David, right, because yeah, they no. just don't know, you know, what they're going to do yet or they right. haven't started yet. Oh, yeah. Well, I take that back. There are there are several people that do. But, um, you know, if you don't get your orders in by, like, January, February, yep. it, it gets it gets... Oh, no. It gets hard. It gets congested, and then, of course, we sell out of bees like the 1st of March. So November's a good time to take a class and, and decide for sure what you're going to do and how many how many hives you're going to keep and then be able to find a club or something in your area. That's a good time. Mm-hmm. Well, Sherry, more and more people are telling me they'd like to listen to Studio Bee Life podcasts, and uh, they are using us as their main source of entertainment. So... <laughs> Wow, what can we what can we do? Put them to sleep at night. Yeah, what can we say? What more can we do? Or what more can we say to entertain our dear friends out there who are just uh, listening to every podcast uh, that we can produce? You, you can tell that you can tell that bee joke that you heard at the at the conference. The bee joke. Yeah. The bee joke. The bee joke. Hmm. I don't remember a bee okay. joke. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll work that one up for the next 
podcast. So now they have something to look forward to. No, wait a minute. You you know it? Oh, uh, let's see. There was a bee joke? Uh-huh. And I came home and I told a joke about uh-huh. a bee. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> well, how about this one? This is a good one. Oh, okay. Did you hear the one about the old beekeepers that got remarried just for companionship? They're really way up there in age, and they were two really, very old beekeepers. You mean they, they got married to each other? Or they got no, they got married to each other. Oh, they okay. married each other. You know, they had that commonality of beekeeping, right. and they were really up there in age. So, you know, they're old people, and... So they go to their hotel for their honeymoon, you know, and the lady takes off a prosthesis and her false teeth and a hearing aid and her glasses and puts it in a drawer, and the man didn't know whether to get in the bed or the drawer. Oh, that is so old. Yeah, but I put the beekeeper touch on it. So you can make any beekeeping joke by just saying, did you hear the one about the the beekeeper? beekeeper. And why did the beekeeper cross the road? I mean, you can change any joke, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the other joke. That will have to be in the next uh, joke that we say. (laughs) All right. It will be better. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us at Studio B Live. Broadcasting here from Long Lane Honeybee Farms. Sherry just picked up a splinter from an inner cover. Got it pulled out. She's okay, for folks. She's good for another podcast. Oh, Sherry, look at all those signs there. Tell Maybe folks can help us out. huh? Well, we are looking for old um, honeybee signs. You know, like honey for sale or honeybees at work or whatever but mm-hmm. we're looking for those old signs maybe 10 signs or whatever so yeah and uh, we're looking for any any old old um beekeeping equipment just to kind of have a little a little museum <laughs> yeah we want we want our place to look like cracker barrel restaurant you know how, how they have all those old things on the walls and it kind of looks homey you know so if you got anything like that or know of some stuff keep us in mind well, if you'd like to visit our website, you probably already know about it, but it's honeybeesonline.com. Tell your friends about Studio B Live and have them stop by and take a listen. We are also selling, as usual, beekeeping supplies, hives, woodenware, suits, smokers, knives, everything to do with beekeeping. So uh, we would appreciate your business. Your business keeps us in business. So thank you very much. Always good to uh, know that we have friends out there. Um, and be sure, if you haven't heard about the uh, an additional podcast that I'm doing through the Wildlife Pro Network on beekeeping, um, take a look at uh, some of our recent beekeeping lessons that we've had online. I explain how you can join us for our upcoming podcasts that are live, and you can participate in those. So just check out, I think it might have been lesson number 80 that talks about that, and we'd love for you to call in and be a part of that. You can also call us. Our phone number is 217-427-2678. Call us here at Long Lane Honeybee Farms. We're open Monday through Thursday. We take Friday off and just try to regain our sanity. So um, we're off Friday and Saturday uh, by appointment only. If you need a queen, we're shipping queens still. And uh, believe it or not, still raising and shipping queens uh, all the way now into the middle of August. Uh, so be sure and... Uh, Call us if you need a queen. And if you'd like to email us, you can email me at david at 
honeybeesonline.com. David at honeybeesonline.com. So this is David and Sherry saying good night and remember to behave yourself.